0: Hey, I'm Jay from uh, Rock 104.5. By the way, this is Andy over here. Hey, how's it? Uh, Andy is just a fan, and I like to occasionally just invite a random fan in for an interview because if you're going to get real questions, you can either have an industry idiot like me or somebody who's just like a fan. Or a fan idiot like me. So, yeah. And he does something called Two Dudes Reviews. So, uh, hey, welcome to Reno. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Shannon. Marv, Mike, yep. Steve, John. They, but when, he's, when people are drunk, they call you Marv. No, yeah, when I'm when drunk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when you're drunk, you yeah, call you Yeah, yeah, it was Marv. like a Jekyll and Hyde thing. Monster Truck. So, um, wow, how did the whole Monster Truck come to be opening up for a legendary band like Godsmack?
1: I don't know. Uh, I, wow. <laughs> I, mean, I like think mean, this gentleman had a lot to do with it. And uh, we, we met uh, we met Shane, Shannon's drum tech years ago uh when he was teching for Alterbridge bridge for okay Scott and we've kind of remained uh, in touch with him and I'm sure he's put in a good word every now and then but uh <laughs> yes but we uh yeah we, we we've been really lucky we've been feeling the love and uh, we're so lucky to be out on tour
0: with them damn well congratulations on that and uh heard the new song earlier today sweet mountain si- si- river That's not new well, okay. I was sent to link every for the link. I
2: said to check it out if you hadn't heard it yet because it's the first song that turned me on to the band. So here's here's my side of the whole thing. <laughs> okay. When God Smack was, we were kind of making a decision to build like a headquarters. We always had our stuff like in storage lockers, and like we just kind of need like a small little warehouse to store the touring gear. Maybe build a little studio and you know keep it all under one roof. And the guy who was helping us build the place, who did all the sheetrock and staging and all that, was from Canada and he would always crank up monster truck. Okay. Now I never knew who they were at the time, but he's like you got to juggle this band. He's all, you know, Canadian proud and and that old thing and so and he turned me on him when the first song I had ever heard was Sweet Mountain River. Okay. And from there like I was really kind of hooked on the band. I really love their sound. It's like a really dirty southern rock vibe and um and it's and it's hard, like you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that we hear in you guys. I don't know if you guys hear it as much as we do, but everything from Deep Purple's to Mountain to like all that stuff. So.
0: Clutch maybe a little bit too, some of that desert stony Southwest rock sound. Yeah, I'll oh, let yeah. them answer that.
3: Yeah,
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah. So for, so for me, like they just became a really favorite band of mine, a band that I constantly have on my playlist when I work out and you know different mixtures of playlists or whatever. Um, and then when we were putting this tour together. Uh, we knew that we were going to um, bring out Hailstorm, but we wanted, like, a really strong third band on the bill, and they were suggesting some other, you know, bands like uh, New Year's Day again and things like that, and we're like, you know what, this enough with the female things like nothing against them. You already have a Lizzie Hale. But I mean, Lizzie Hale, there, you, right. Lizzie. she's enough for <laughs> yeah. 10 women, right? Exactly. I mean, she's like the queen of rock vocals right now. Um, and so I, I just suggested I didn't even know if these guys were working or what was going on. I hadn't checked in if they had a new record out or whatever. I just called my agent, I just said listen, if Monster Truck is available and they wanna do it, we should bring them out because the the music compatibility I think between them and Hailstone and Godsmack would really go over well with the audience. And so I just kind of took a shot and they were available and here they are.
0: Yeah, so we're gonna put the link for the video, uh, for the, the Monster Truck video in this video. You will notice it's pretty much like four Lumberjacks, the song is good, and one smoking hot chick. Who's the blonde?
3: I don't even remember.
0: Oh, dang. I, I, I'll be honest with you. That was a weird day. Because
3: we were kind of like, uh, I don't know. We were kind of like, really? Are we going to have like a naked girl in our video? Like, I guess. <laughs> like yeah. Because we were kind of like, dude rock party guy kind of thing. You know what I mean? It was like, let's get a bonfire and have a bunch of people drinking and stuff like that rather than, and our director decided no, he'd rather some naked girl wandering through the woods.
4: Yeah. <laughs> From a fan perspective great idea. Perfect. Well, How can you go wrong with a naked chest you know perspective? <laughs> I'm gonna Perfect. With you
3: maybe I'm too self-aware with that kind of stuff. But I mean, at the time it was just like, sure.
1: Let's let's and, go for it. The, and the answer is we did we don't we don't even know her. I have no idea. Kind of like, okay. All right, this is the girl who's going to be running around naked in your video and I was just like oh I've never met this girl and she's like having to cover up yeah she's got like a blanket like, on totally yeah. naked she's
3: like ah oh, nice to meet you I'm
1: like oh yeah, yeah. yeah. nice keep nice in mind, too this you know weird. that was their first
2: record these guys <laughs> are three TV records guys, deep like, into it now so there's a lot more content material for people to research on them. okay it's just that I just felt like to me that song kind of encompasses what they do in a whole because from there it branches out and there's you know there's more kind of I would say, what, progressive side of you guys? There's more laid back, kind of bluesy, really cool, vibey. There's a lot that, to me, that goes on with this band, but, you know, there are three records in now or whatever. But I think, you know, if people hear, you you hear that song, you either get it or you don't get it. It's your kind of thing or you, it's not. But right. I don't think you guys have ever drifted too far from that, just no, It's, it's a
5: sort of like, you know, it's an eclectic mix of, of all the stuff that we, I was raised on. That's why yeah. I love it so much. It, it takes me back. Yet, you know, it still sounds contemporary, but it's super retro to me, and I, you know, it was one of those bands that uh, just seemed to harken back to the the days of the bands that I loved when I was growing up.
0: Very cool.
1: That's what I hear from a lot of fans who were fans of that day they they say to us like oh I'm just so happy there's a band out now that sounds like my favorite music from yes. back then that's kind of yes. yes you're gonna love them just
4: fucking
2: look them up you'll love them, <laughs> love them
4: thanks so, guys love them that
1: you're not a,
2: if you don't love them you're not a rock and roller you think you are but you're not
0: <laughs> so Shan and Sully congratulations on the new God Smack album I know it's it's uh, what about a year or so into the cycle now I saw you guys at it Aftershock yeah. I think last year um, you know I I uh, and I think it has to do with just you guys being from Boston, but Sully, you've always intimidated the hell out of me until <laughs> until I saw Ooh, the video for of me. the director's cut for Bulletproof, which I laughed hysterically almost the entire time, and I went, wow, this guy's got a sense of humor, and then you listen to the whole album, and it almost seems like... I, I hate to say softer gentler side but I bet the quality and the hotness of the women showing up at the Godsmack shows has gone up a little They're bit getting yes. better
4: getting <laughs> better. Well,
5: and a younger crowd too you know we've noticed that you know it's, it's translated to a younger crowd which is cool for us because we're not getting younger you know yeah
2: yeah I don't want to stereotype any kind of person woman or man but I will tell you that you know the early Godsmack women were Rough. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I'll like, just say they were rough-looking. We would always <laughs> look
5: out and see literally, you know, eighty percent male crowd, yeah. and we're like, "Wow, okay, dudes dig us, I guess."
0: Yeah, those were yeah. the women.
5: <laughs> <laughs> no, <okay. laughs>
0: well, congratulations on all that. Um, so, what is it about Boston? You think about, you know, there's people from Chicago who. You know, they're from Chicago and they got the Chicago pizza and there's people that are New Yorkers or Los Angeles is a very prideful city and San Francisco is a very prideful city. But, man, there's something about Boston. You guys carry that city like a badge of honor. Why is that, do you think?
2: It's just always been that way, you know, since I was born and raised with like the Boston Bruins and all that, although these guys are going to throw daggers at me because they're Canadians. (laughs) Um, It's just always been that, you know, I even watched documentaries on it like way back in those days when Bobby Orr and people like that were really breaking hockey open in America. Like that Mm -hmm. dude was kind of solely responsible for all these ice arenas opening up everywhere and people were just on the hockey kick because... You know, these guys, some of them were so good back there, especially him, you know. And scrappers, too. And that's what it was. They were like the Boston bad boys, you know what I mean? They were like known for fighting and that kind of thing. And so I think Boston's always had that kind of, but East Coast in general, you know, even going up through the Canadian country and things like that, that East Coast side to me, I think... The pride and the values are instilled in people because they're really hard workers, right? So you have the West Coast side, the Vancouvers through the L.A.s or whatever. It's more liberal, and you know they don't want to break a nail, and they're just <laughs> trying to make sure their plants are getting sprayed properly, whatever. And that's all cool, um, and I'm sure they work hard doing that. But you know, on the East Coast, you have people on roofs and doing, you know, masonry yeah. and stuff in 17 below degree weather with their hands cracked and peeling. I think people are just a little edgier and tougher in I'll a I'll say this: I'm the only
5: guy from in Godsmack that's not from Boston. I'm, yeah, I'm the outside guy right. that came in, and but yet when I joined the band, you know, I was finding myself in Boston a lot as we wrote and recorded there and stuff. And so, from an outsider view, like what my take on Boston people, what I like about them is that they there's no bullshit. They tell you exactly what they're feeling like, like right away. So they don't pretend like, I like yeah. you know they're more real people. And same thing up into New York, you know. But, uh, and and also, I'm on a West
0: Coaster, so and, I have tough times with my feelings.
5: Like when you say harsher, <laughs> they're harsher people or whatever, and I think it's all, for one thing, the weather.
2: Yeah, okay. It's yeah. A
5: brutal 90% of the year. I mean, you know, you, yeah, you don't have a
2: lot of time to mess around and be right. like. So it toughens
5: you know. them up. They're tough fuckers. Dude.
2: Okay, so. <laughs> but, who, but super sports passion, too. You right. know, I think that runs all the way up and down, you know, these. We East Coast. could get
0: into the sports talk game last night. We're not going to because I hear it's a touchy subject. But I do want to know. What game? The Giants? Who would win in a street Bruins. fight? Aerosmith or the band Boston?
2: Aerosmith, probably, right? I don't know. They're both pretty old now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Is this the fight with canes and wheelchairs? I'm not
2: sure any of them are equipped to be fighting. Truth
0: be known, I think Boston is just Tom Schultz now. Okay, so let's say Aerosmith wins that one. Who would win in a street fight, Aerosmith or Extreme? Oh, Extreme. Extreme, okay.
2: They're way more in shape.
1: Yeah, they got younger. Kick they got like yeah. 20. <laughs> Dropkick Murphys, there they you go. They
2: 20 years on them, <laughs> and they're like way more conditioned. <laughs> Smith is, I don't know if you've seen Arrow Smith lately. I love uh, those Steven's guys. looking rough. But they're older now. They're yeah, not going to be fighting anybody.
1: Okay. Mar- Marvel says that Steven Tyler looks oh. like a hot grandma. <laughs> what? Why would you even <laughs> pick
4: older
2: bands like that for
4: street fights anyways? Okay. I have a question. Um. I, I, I love the fact that you bring new bands. I mean, a lot of, you know, legendary rock bands. You guys, I want you to think 25 years ago, you brought these guys with you, but back in the day, you toured with bands like Pantera and Metallica. After which tour, Pantera or Metallica, did it take longer for your livers to recover? <laughs> That's an easy one.
5: It'd be Pantera. Yeah,
2: Pantera uh, destroyed. I. <laughs> <laughs> year was that, and, you know, that was hard honestly by the time we told Metallica yeah
5: you know Hetfield was on on the wagon mm-hmm. and was sober man by then and so uh, we didn't party with Metallica I okay. did
2: Lars did Lars, <laughs> Lars party, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lars, party. <laughs> Lars was not sober secret party secret <laughs> right. party okay cool Um, and but Metallica nicest guys we ever met too they really showed us a lot too about how you know you treat opening bands, support bands, things like that to people that you just invite out, you know, because I don't even like the word opening bands and things like that. I just kind of think you know what, to me it's about music compatibility and so that's why we try to invite or, or organize tours that make sense, not because we're like, oh, they're two levels below us and they could be a great band for a thousand tickets or something like that. We don't think that way. We just go, what's the cool fucking music that would fit well with this? Because for us, our biggest struggle over the years was we got lumped into that new metal category when we got signed because mm-hmm. the corns and the Limp Biscuits and all them were kind of blowing up. And we were never that, though, you know? I mean, we the first record is so many different influences from because everyone was listening to different things from Nine Inch Nails to Alice in Chains to whatever. but we were just kind of a hard rock band. We never considered ourselves metal. Mm. And we rode the line at times, but we were never a metal band. Like to me, metal bands deserve the props for the Slipknot's and the Slayers and whoever is truly metal. Um, and so we always struggle with that identity of like trying to get people to understand that we're not really a metal band, we're a hard rock band. And so I think even as time has passed, we've tried to get ourselves uh, surround ourselves with more rock bands, hard sure. rock bands, so the genre feels more correct for us, too, you know, and not be out there with, like, bands that are just, we shouldn't be out there with, Lamb of God and whatever it is, not anything against them. They're all great bands for what they do, but we're not that. You right, know? right, right, right.
0: Yeah. So going way, way, way back, the legendary rock station, WAAF in Boston, how essential were they to the success of God Smack early on? AF, yeah.
2: Oh, they were—they're were the ones that broke us. Yeah, yeah. They—they they, the DJ found got a copy of our demo and started spinning um, some of the music, and you know, it just started a snowball effect because they were spinning the music more. People would show up more at the live shows, and because people would show up more at the live shows, we would sell more CDs out of the trunks of our car, and because we sold more CDs, they request the song more, and it just kind of snowballed like
0: so that. So here in 2019, how important is radio? still today with people being exposed and discovering music outside of just a radio station
5: it's super important you know i mean you know it, we all grew up well i don't know about monster Truck, but you know our age we grew up listening to the radio and so you know i know my daughter grew up listening to the radio because that's how i grew up and uh you know i like the fact that you know you can you can find new sound on the radio whether you like it or not you can find it it's there especially with satellite radio now it's insane you can you can find an old blues song that you want to find or whatever anything you want So radio is always going to be important in music you know you can watch cds records cassettes and and now even you know downloads go away for streaming and you know the, the times change and all but i think radio will always be there
0: we're, I can hope We hope So, <laughs> Jay really hopes. so do I
4: <laughs>
2: Touring and radio Has built this band I know that yeah. You know Monster Truck Has their own career I, I haven't followed it That closely These guys could probably Tell you more about their path But for us For sure Radio and touring Is what broke this band It wasn't MTV It wasn't VH1 We were never part of that Kind of culture You know
5: What's it like in Canada Like radio
2: Good It's great for us I mean it's pretty much How we make like money you
3: know because we tour a lot and we tour a lot in Europe and touring Europe it costs money no matter what level well, you're so you're in it for the
5: money are you kid a right? little bit you know gotta <laughs> kind of survive we just found out that Europe does indeed cost money <laughs> <out>.
3: right that's <laughs> kind of crazy but yeah no radio is so important I mean people too they want to listen to it because uh, I don't want to know what's coming up next sometimes right. yeah. and that's why I think playlists are so important when you can see what's coming up next so I was a little bit cheating but
1: R- radio is a good way to cast the line and bring them to a show and then try and win them over even more you know that's kind of it's like kind of like a calling card to our live show for, for us personally that's what it's kind
0: of been right you know well thank the, you oh, guys oh, for not this. writing the same song and the same record over and over and over again <laughs> um the new album is spectacular real challenge right and yeah. and and i'm just happy that you guys had the confidence to be able to break that mold push yourselves a little bit to you know experiment with some of the different sounds and to you know m- maybe do a softer song that might appeal to a broader base i think it's well, a you know move. i
2: think we've learned too over the years you know it's like we're 21 years into this thing now to the public and our fans have evolved so it doesn't make sense to not try to evolve with the audience and the fan base there's people that were off, you know, fans of ours when they were 24 years old or whatever and now they're 50 and have 16 year olds of their own that are getting turned on to God smack through their parents or something and you know I think it's important that we try to be smart about it and stay true to playing music that we still enjoy playing and not be so far off that we're just kind of you know trying to adapt to a whole new sound but at least morph it enough that it you know feels a bit modern still
0: so one final question at least for me i don't know if andy over here has got another question but what uh new music are you guys getting inspired by or turned on to when you're out on the road here if you can maybe throw a shout out for a contemporary that you know is, yeah. tr- is trying mon- like monster, monster truck, truck coming up man. through the ranks i'm
5: serious, I'm serious man you know that's, yeah. that's a great record so he's been jamming at the dressing room it's just it's fantastic y'all should definitely add it to your playlist and check it out man <laughs> and um Really? I mean,
2: I, I started listening to a band a little while back, too, called Dead Sarah that I think people would enjoy. Dead Sarah's amazing. They're good, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know what they're doing now. I know they did two records and they were supposed to do a third, and their first from record one to record two changed drastically. I ended up right liking record two even better, where usually the first record on any band is kind of their, you know, your favorite. Um, I don't know what they're doing now, but they're real artsy, and they, they kind of remind me of like a female Jane's Addiction style. I thought that was a really cool band, too, that I was kind of hung up on for a bit.
0: Okay, and you mentioned Canada. One band that uh, I've been on the uh, Canadian train with for a long time is uh, Ian Thornley and Big Wreck. I don't know if you guys are hip to big wreck but yeah he uh, played on one of our songs
1: yeah on two, nice two albums ago he came in and did a solo all right i'm, a fan, yeah. I'm a fan then <laughs> now he's a funny guy too. yeah he is a really funny guy
4: yeah well sully I I, I I have to at least mention this in here scars scars foundation yes tell us a little bit about that please
1: yeah,
2: so um, we, we wrote the song called Under Your Scars, and for me it was about a subject matter that I had ran into personally where, you know, just people have these imperfections and these insecurities or whatever it is that you want to call them. We call them scars. They're just kind of, whether they're emotional or physical, sometimes we kind of shy away from them as humans, right? And we hide from them when they're exposed in some way. And so I started writing the song based on that which is more about acceptance. It's about knowing that we're all kind of imperfect and we all have these imperfections and these things that we're embarrassed about or feel insecure about. It could be acne, it could be an amputee, it could be severe depression, whatever it is, right? But whatever it is, you know, I think we all kind of have our own thing that we know tips us, you know, and, and makes us hide from that stuff. So the song became about acceptance, but what it did is it kind of inspired us to go out and start this nonprofit, which is something that we've talked about doing for a while, but we just couldn't figure out what our lane was. I mean, for me personally, I was never affected by someone who had passed away from AIDS or a cancer or something like that. Um, so I was trying to find something that I felt like I had some kind of expertise in and life experience in. And being raised in the streets of Boston and all that, and I was involved in a lot of drugs and gangs and, you know, crime and stuff like that. I think it created a lot of traumas and a lot of drama, and, and, and so when this whole thing came about through the song, it got me thinking maybe that's the lane, you know, maybe that's where we should be kind of focusing our energy to give something back because I think on a global level, a lot of people, mostly everyone, has been touched by something that funnels people into a depressive state of mind, right? So whether it's addiction or bullying or PTSD or suicide prevention or whatever, we tried to tackle multiple categories and that's what the SCARS Foundation is. It's a nonprofit organization that's trying to raise money on a global level to help battle all those categories and give these experts you know, uh, a way to deepen their research and do their jobs a little bit better. But more importantly, become a community where people can come to and have a voice and be surrounded by other people that battle these things so maybe they come forward and inspire others by telling their story. Because um, the depression part, You know, I think we've all been affected by it. I lost a couple friends to suicide. We've lost an amazing amount of great artists to addiction and suicide and depression and whatever it's been. And we call it the invisible killer. You know, the depression is the one you can't see. If someone's a burn victim or something like that, you can reach out, offer help or whatever if they struggle. But the depression part, you don't see it. And the two of my friends that took their lives, it was very sudden. They were the kind of people that came around. They were always the life of the party. Super positive. Shannon knew John. He was one of our artists. He did a lot of our God Smack covers or merchandise. And I got a phone one day, phone call one day, he was gone and it was just such a shocker because you don't see it coming because he was such a positive guy, super creative, super happy. So this invisible killer is the one we're trying to flush out. Right. And so what we did was we just try to target all the categories that funnel people into, if depression was the main thing we were shooting for, what are other topics that funnel people into depression? And that's kind of how this thing evolved.
4: Well, near and dear to my heart, are you doing much with veterans?
2: Well, the whole PTSD thing, that's okay, a lot of that is you know, geared towards veterans and- and uh, military and stuff like that. Someone
0: wants to get involved. How can they get involved to help?
2: Just go to godsmack.com. There's a tab there that says Scars Foundation. It'll shoot you to the splash page and tell you all about us. And and, and again, if if you know if donating isn't your strength, because financials isn't your strength or whatever, you can get involved in other ways. Get involved in the events or the community part of it or whatever. So
0: hey, it's uh, Jave. He's Andy. Godsmack monster truck. Check him out. It's uh, two dudes reviews and Rock 104.5.